Hi, it's Paul. Hi, it's Damo. And it's time for the PD Sports Podcast. With Damo and Paul. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 3 of the PD Sports Podcast. With me today is Damo. Do you want to quickly shout yourself out, Damo? How are we, everybody? Hopefully we're doing well. Another quick fire podcast and there's so much going on that we just have to keep on recording. Yeah, this will be a bit more of a sort of snapshot episode compared to the first two, which were sort of around the hour mark. This will be a little bit shorter. We want to keep it a bit more concise today, just with the announcement of the uh, European Super League sort of uh, disbanding, and we will have a bit of a chat about that today. But before we get into it, I just want to thank everybody for their support. We're already at 105 downloads of the combined of episode one and two um, in only two and a half days pretty well so i'd just like to thank everyone for their support for all their messages um and for all their uh, bits of feedback and also the last bit of news before we get straight into the episode today is we're finally there apple podcast have taken it's on the podcast happens. it's been such a headache to get apple on board but they had issues from their end so it is now available um, so if you do want to search the PD Sports Podcast through Apple Podcast, you will then see our lovely red animation. So at the moment, um, we're going to kick straight into what's going on over in Europe. So Damo, what do you think that this breakdown in the Super League means for the big clubs involved? Well, look, firstly, if people aren't aware, which they should be by now, the it started with City... And Chelsea pulling out. And Chelsea. I believe it was due to all the protests that are in front of Stamford Bridge this morning um, for their game. Um, there's actually incredible footage of Pepper Check getting absolutely mobbed and Check trying to get the buses through and this is not the way to do it. And then all of a sudden, it, it all came out that Chelsea and City were falling apart, uh, pulling out, and then obviously the other four pulled out as well. Um, I think what it means to the big clubs is, I think they've done it now so that there isn't a sanction. I think yeah. they may still get sanctioned. Do I think they're going to get sanctioned this uh, this you know season per se? You know, no. But will they get sanctioned this year? Yes, I reckon they might carry a sanction into next year if they want to give them a points deduction or anything like that. Because it did bring the league into dispute. Uh, and look for forty eight hours, we didn't know what was going to happen next year in the Premier League. So if they want to yeah. sanction them, they could. I guess what else it means to the big clubs is they may have got some confirmation from the Premier League and worked something out with the Premier League behind closed doors. So if you see a deal or anything like that come out in the next six months or so, I could nearly bet your bottom dollar it had came over due to negotiations with the Premier League and the big six um, throughout the last you know 24 hours that we weren't aware to or privy to. So I think there's a lot of things it means to the big six. I also think it just it's good for football that this has happened though, and we we weren't supporters of the ESL, and it should really leave the ESL nowhere to turn but to go back on the shelf for ever and ever and ever. Yeah, exactly. So I think long term, it's just we don't want to go down that path. Never. It's just going to absolutely kill all the grassroots football. It's going to kill all those teams that aren't in that elitist group. So I think the results, a positive result this morning, but it's definitely not the end of this discussion. I don't think in my eyes. Obviously, the other big factor in this is a lot of people have started to stand down from their positions, yes. but no owner yet has said they're selling the big club. One, so big, I think, big one's Ed, obviously, at Man United. Yeah, but I think 
you got to take that with a bit of a pinch of salt. I think he may have been a bit of a puppet, potentially. Um, like maybe a bit harsh, but he was sort of the front man. I should probably put it that way. Um, and obviously, things haven't worked out well. The Glazers need a bit of a someone to take the blame. And I think it's it's easier for the Glazers to say, all right, see you later, uh, Ed, because it doesn't hurt their interests no, long term. So I think we still need to be a bit careful. The other thing I wanted to bring up, which you would have heard me typing away, I just added to our agenda. John W. Henry came out with an apology, which he's the he's part of the Fenway Sports yes, Group, correct. which owned Liverpool. The one thing that really caught my attention, so if you haven't heard his apology, I'd recommend you listen to it because the one thing that annoyed me, um, he constantly referred to about damaging your club. He kept saying your club. club. And as... Not our club, exactly. As the owner of the club, I'd want him to think that he is part of the club. And the way that he just verbalized your club, I feel like there's a divide in where he his allegiance lie with the club of Liverpool Football Club. So that sort of kept me on edge a little bit tonight, just because I don't really know where he sits. Um, two parts to that. First thing is... Does John W. Henry need to step down or sell Liverpool on Paul after all this? I think so. I don't think... I think for his best interest, it's better that he doesn't reconnect with the club because, you know, do you think if he's ever walking down in Liverpool, do you think the fans are going to be polite to him? Probably not. Um, I, do I don't you know. blame him Obviously, for going down this avenue? No, of course so, not. Uh, from a business, exactly. from a business perspective, you're guaranteeing yourself three hundred and fifty million dollars a year. You got to remember, the owners definitely driven this. It wasn't players or managers. They knew nearly as little as all we did. So I really do feel for the players and the managers that were involved. You know, Pep came out was very vocal. Liverpool players and Klopp came out very vocal. Um, basically, everybody at every club in the top those big six came out and said that they weren't really behind the idea. Um, I think you can't really blame, you know, Fenway Sports Group going in and, you know, being part of this deal no. as, as a Liverpool fan. Because you've got to remember, they're running a business for a profit. And when you're getting offered billions and billions of dollars, if you're running it as a business, you should take it. But yeah, you jump at that. You've got to also understand you're, you're, you're going into it. It's a sporting club, but it's not a direct yeah, business. Yeah, you can't treat it as a. You can't treat it like that. A, I think that's where John W. Henry is now and just come out and said, it's your club, it's your club, it's your club. And in his head, it's an investment. Um, yeah. For me, I would actually be very sad to see him go. Uh, I'm probably one of very few people to say that. The reason why is he, he's a guy that's come in and build them. You know, he's built a couple stands. He's going to build the Anfield Road stand. You know, under him, we've gone out. We have then gone on and won a Champions League. We've gone and won a league. We've got Klopp in under the him. The youth set up as well. It, it, it's Yeah, it's huge, right? And what he's done for the club is going to be absolutely tarnished due to one business decision, which, to be fair, in a business sense, is really smart, but in a sporting sense and damaging all the history of the whole club and the league that he's involved in and the people that support the club and Liverpool being a massive supporters club, um, I feel like that it's almost in, it's not repairable, but I would be one of the very few that would be very sad to see him leave because I think he's been one of our best ever owners. So, yeah. Yeah. I think that sort of... T- leads into what I wanted to talk about next as well. Who should get the blame from this? Because it's very easy to say, all right, the teams are going to get points reductions, they're going to get relegated, they're going to get whatever. 
when all the owners are practically like in John W. Henry's um, apology, he apologised to Jurgen Klopp. He talks that this decision did not go through them. Is it fair for the players and the staff of the club that knew nothing to be punished? I'm leaning on the side of no. I feel like its owners have clearly they've all stated that they went in for it for themselves. But how do you how do you punish the owners for those decisions? Do you you can't legally force them to sell, but can you inflict fines for bringing the game into disrepute? Yes. Maybe that's where I'm thinking. Maybe that's where it goes. I 100% agree with you with that. I think that they should be fined pretty heavily. It should be almost sell your club or be fined sort of territory. I don't know if they can implement that. Um, however, these guys own the football club. You want to know what the best way is to punish the people that own the football club? Put, put the football club in a position where they're not going to be able to make revenue over the next few years. So you give City, Liverpool, Chelsea, whatever, 20, 30 point, point deductions, almost say to themselves, it's going yeah. to be very, very hard to stay in the league next year, which is a sad thing to see, but it's a position to put yourself in. And then all these guys be like, oh, hang on a second, you get relegated, you're in the championship, right? Three of those six going yeah. to the championship. Is it viable for me to stay at the football club? No, you sell. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays I don't out. Think I think, the I think you could probably hypothesize. I don't think the Premier League no, will do it because, because they lose their marketability of the big six. Yeah. They can get they get there the marketability is. for that one year that, oh, wow, all of them are negative 30 points behind, right? And you need typically 38 points to stay up. So you need to have a 68-point season to stay up, which they all should do. But when they're all battling each other in order to stay up, a few of them yeah. are going to drop points and a few of them are probably going to get relegated. Maybe two of the six probably go down, right? And someone that's really bad goes down as well. Uh, but... Yeah, the other thing I've thought about as well, yeah. so going back to the marketability of the league, I mean, you've got Sky Sports, you've got Optus Sport, you've got... B- BT, you know, whatever, you've got everything like, everywhere. That have spent millions and millions of dollars on a product and... That's where I don't see like the relegation to fifth tiers and things as a viable option because the Premier League has accepted money from all these providers. They then can't say, oh yeah, our six highest grossing global brands are now not in the league and we still expect you to pay hundreds of millions of dollars for the rights to our league because then the Premier League is going to get sued by every single provider because that service isn't being provided. Exactly. So that's why I think now that I've had a couple of days to think about it, now I think there's no way. Like Maybe there's a bit of bias to it and maybe a bit of hope, but because of us being Liverpool fans, I don't want to not see us in the Premier League long term. But I just think the Premier League is going to open up a huge another problem if they decide to get rid of the top six I clubs from so the too, league. I think so too, and that's why I think that those sanctions I mentioned may not go ahead or will not go ahead because the marketability knock-on effect years down the track would be, you know, you'd lose it, right? Because you've lost a few of the big big clubs however I think for that season where you've got all those six clubs on negative 30 points for instance if that's when the route they want to go down the marketability of that year is huge because you've got to see do they survive but if they go down what do you do I just think that those clubs then just shrug it off and then they don't learn anything exactly. from it. That doesn't hurt anyone. Uh, do, do, all it does do, is it hurts them for one season from making the Champions League. Do they League. do that's all a similar does. sanction to what they did to Juve many years ago when Juve got done for cheating um, and sent them into Serie B? They can't do it? They can't. Different world now, man. Like, it's just... At that time, the market on football was just... It wasn't there. The money wasn't involved. We're talking, what, 2003, four? Yeah, something like that. They're very early on. In the Completely different world, man. Imagine if you sent all six of them down to the championship for next season and what Optus and Sky and BT are just going to go, yeah, it's all right, we'll just cover the 
Burnley versus West yeah, Brom exactly. on a Saturday at 9 o'clock for our time. Yeah. You know, it just Can't do it. won't happen. It just won't happen. Financially, the Premier League would be like, this is going to be interesting. Like, So this is like it's... They put the Premier League in a really tough position. If ethically, the club should be relegated. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that. I think that's the, if that we've seen that in the past. Good good example with Juventus. Yeah. Has it hurt them long term? No, it hasn't. So, end of the day, I think ethically that's the decision. But again, I spoke about this on when we record Monday. Yes. I said the Premier League don't want to then burn their own pockets. Exactly. Same with UEFA. So they're going to make a decision. So by getting rid of the six highest grossing teams, they're going to kill their profit margins for season 21-22. So it's a catch-22. The Premier League cannot win with that decision unless they then find the owners directly. I feel like that's the only viable option. The public will see that as a bit of a weak um, solution to that issue, but I think that's the most likely, if I can put it. Yes, I, I yeah, agree. Percentage on it. Um, I wouldn't go as far as saying get all six relegated. I would be going massive points deduction. I'll be going in the ballpark of 20 to 30 points because it allows the Premier League to keep these teams in knowing they're going to get about a 60-point-plus season more than likely. Yeah. And then they uh, they stay up and they will get financially hurt because some of the best players will probably want to leave knowing they're not going to play in Europe the year after unless they were to obviously be allowed to play in Europe next year. That's something UEFA may choose to say you're banned for a year. But if you go and do well in your league, that next year you'll be back, or you know, it'd, yeah. be, it'd be very interesting. But then, but then you wait for lose money. Then it'd too, be though. very interesting to see what they do. Yeah. So I think again. So let's you know piggyback off that little discussion there at the end. What the hell is going to happen with the Champions League next year? So the announcement hasn't really come out the way I thought it was going to from Sunday night. So I don't think they actually proposed. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know if they actually proposed the new model for the Champions League. Um, on Monday, which was anticipated, which is the introduction of four new clubs and two groups or whatever it yeah. is. They're going to split into different groups, groups and things. Groups play 10 games. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's it. So they're going to just... Everyone plays 10 eight, games seeded and then go into a yeah, knockout stage. That's what it was. So, yeah. Who knows what's going to happen there? So, end of the day, I don't think it's going to be too far from the truth that a deal must have been struck at some point, whether it's with the Premier League I think it's more with UEFA to guarantee these 12 clubs more money because you don't release 12 statements simultaneously on each club website and then 48 hours go, oh yeah, now we're not going to do this. So there must have been I, some I meeting you. there. I'm with you. Had to have been something where UEFA are now going to guarantee money to um, those 12 clubs as um, part of the Champions League where it must be extremely difficult for these clubs to not qualify for the Champions League and look the majority of them really they should be getting in on merit not on merit on performance sorry that's correct they're, they're big enough clubs to say we're, we should be good enough through the league system to at least make the Europa League all 12 of them oh correct the fact that they're not I feel like I've been listening to a few things over the last couple of days it sounds like a lot of owners have been complacent I'm not going to put names on clubs but you can probably read through the lines who I'm talking about at this point they haven't wanted to invest because there's no point in investing. Why should I spend my money now when I'm going to have guaranteed money in a year's time? So I think that's why some of the clubs that are listed and people are a bit shocked about some of these clubs are in there because they've been told, don't spend your money, hold off, because you can then get all this money to spend that's not your own money in a year's time. So I think 
there must be some massive guarantee that money's coming to these 12 for them to go, yeah, let's shake the world up and then 48 hours time, let's just, Drop you it. know, go on like nothing happened. Exactly. Which I think it had to have happened right now too. Those talks would have happened very quick. I said it on the last podcast, that we're at DEFCON 5 and if talks weren't going to happen, it's on. It's going to be well, World War in football, DEFCON 6, Super League's going to be here. And like I said on last podcast, inside 24 hours, something has to have happened behind the scenes and all of them have come out and basically said, you know what, Super League, not for me. And mercifully, thankfully, it has happened, which is good as well. Yeah, I agree. I think it was just, it took one. It took one team to go, yeah, no, nah, not dealing with this, you know, backlash, which is Chelsea. They cracked first. Or not cracked. We'll put it in a positive because sense. Because it is very positive. They saw the light yeah, first. Exactly. Hopefully, maybe it was the actual, you know... I, I feel like the protest, in theory, sounds really cool that that had an influence. That statement would have been prepared before the so game too. anyway. I, I think, think so as well. And then I think they had to release I think it. Before, check, I think you don't want to Czech release knew. that have before the game. Have you seen the, the footage game? of Czech uh, outside? No, I haven't seen it. I've heard about bridge. it. I think Czech knew. That's why no. Czech was trying to calm everything down. He got out the team bars, told everybody to move. Because I think check check yeah. as a player and someone that's been there for so long knew that something was going to be released, but I, think, I would love to say the. F- I think they would have had it ready to go. I think they would have had the statement ready before the I game do too. And then because of all the exposure that would have come from the uh, protest, they had to release it Straight before. Away, yeah. yeah, which obviously the one thing that I actually took and I didn't think about this at all, which was actually I'll give a shout out to the Red Men. So if any Liverpool. Um, fans that listen to us go check out Redmen TV YouTube and through all the different uh, podcasting platforms their Liverpool supporter group they mentioned about the mentality so we spoke about the mentality of our team um, on Sunday which is in our first episode which I questioned um, after four years for the boys to front up and I'm not going to do a review of the game yeah. but for the boys to front up not knowing what was happening what mattered what not mattered and still to play okay and get a draw shows how strong the playing group was to see Hendo lead the the captains into having facilitating meetings and things. You know, couldn't be prouder of the way I that be the players, of the players have and how Klopp responded. No, I could not be happier yeah. with the playing group and the manager. It's just unfortunate that the owners put him in that position. Yeah. So the last thing. We'll touch on, I think, I think everyone's sort of probably sick to death now of the Super League. So do we think this would be the last that we hear of either the Super League in the form that was presented to us or some other form of a Super League? What do you reckon? I think until it becomes a point where the clubs want to make more money off your way for in the Premier League, which could be another 10 years' time, yes. I think it's a massive um, bargaining chip, the Super League. And the club's... The club's owners wanted something a bit better and they dangled the carrot and said they're going to do it to get something out of UEFA in the Prem. And they did it. So good on them. And if it didn't happen, they would have gone to the Super League and made so much money. So I think 10 years down the track, if there's a TV deal that gets struck with UEFA and UEFA aren't paying the clubs enough, get ready for this talk to come again. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's just disappointing. It's greed, like, it's that greed they have versus to greed and we hate it as fans because it should be just about the football. Yeah, exactly. And that's what's getting lost from the owners, from the top dogs. Like, Obviously, there's that elite circle, but they should be doing everything possible to promote, you know, just the game. They're, they're on the biggest scale, so they should be 
yeah, I don't know. It's one of those is, ones where is, whenever you get into a higher order of power, there normally tends to be levels of corruption. Exactly. And it's just the higher the clubs go, that means they're the clubs that FIFA talk to. That means they're the clubs that your wafer talk to. And we've spoken about it already. Money talks. Money's making this world go round. Money's making football go round. And I think, I don't think we're ever going to not have a world where at some form the Super League is going to be in the back of everybody's minds now. Like, is this, a, is this going to be a real possibility? But look, for now, I think we can close the book on Chapter 1 of the, chapter the European sanctions. Super Get League. Get the sanctions, Paulie. Honestly, we've got sanctions coming. We've got the Champions League model. There's going to be so much that sort of is a bit of a domino effect from Super League. those initial statements exactly. from Sunday night. So, you know, we, I think it's time for us to start shifting into other sports because we are called the PD Sports Podcast or the PD Soccer Podcast. Because there's so much else to talk about, but it's been so massive. And as loving football fans, I coach it, so do you. And then we obviously, uh, you know, support Liverpool to tilt and they've been at the forefront of all this. The first three episodes yeah, it's been hard been not to cover it. Hugely football related, but I think it's time to get into other sports. What do you reckon? Yeah, I agree. So before we move on to the second section of today's podcast, I have, or we have spoken, we did mention it, I believe, at the end of the last podcast about getting some questions yes, in through the Discord have. platform. So we do have a couple questions. So I am going to hold them off till the end of the podcast. But if you do want to send in a question, you can now either do it through the Discord, which is linked on our socials, which is YouTube, Porty29 and Damo underscore 23. That is where all our socials are. And then we've also got now the review section of the podcast. So if it's too hard for you to find our Discord and you want to leave a question, uh, go leave us a review through Apple uh, Podcasts. Uh, give us you know, five stars if you think that's what we deserve. And also leave a little comment and your question in the stars, review. Please. Three stars and Damo is <laughs> over the moon. We'll take mediocrity at this point. Oh, so I, I saw we're aiming, we're aiming high. I saw Roy Hodgson coach Liverpool. Our mediocrity was built into me. <laughs> so we are going to transition into a different form of football today, which is going to be Australian rules football. So we are obviously this weekend is a very very big weekend in the AFL calendar. So it is Anzac Day on Sunday, which means we do have the Anzac Day oh, game, which wait. for me is probably. Yeah, it's probably going to be the showpiece of the weekend with you, it regards to It usually is. doesn't matter how inconsistent both teams have been. Like, even when they're both at the top of their form back like early 2000s and whatever, you know, you, you, you still get a good game of football no matter if they're going to be inconsistent or not. And I can't wait for it on Sunday. It's going to be amazing. Yeah, I'm excited. But one thing that really took my mind um, when I was doing the research was that Collingwood's won eight of the last 10 Anzac Day games, not just games in general. Eight of the last ten Anzac Day games. I'm going to so tell you right now, I think Paul, Essendon win this. In my head, I didn't know which way I was going to go until already. sort of tonight. I think I'm leaning that way. I know Essendon have a lot of injuries. And Collingwood had a really good first quarter last week against West Coast. But it's going to be such an interesting game because Collingwood's midfield is absolutely decimated. I know Essendon have a couple injuries through their midfield with Jai Caldwell and um, Dylan Shill, but I think the running game of Essendon is what's going to prevail. I think Collingwood. Last week, I thought. Essendon. Yeah. Uh, they got done by Brisbane. Um, I didn't actually watch that game because Port were playing at the same time. But, you know, no Ridley as well in defence. 
There's just question marks everywhere. That's what makes this game That's more interesting exactly. for me. I think it would be a very interesting so, game. And, both, and the teams have such different issues. It's going to be it's going to be, fun it's to going watch, It's going to contrast and it's going to just be... You know those games of football that are low on skill, but it's going to be hard on grits and a lot of determination yeah. and desperation. And that's what I love. Like yeah. the first three quarters of the Melbourne Hawthorne game was just full of desperation, and Melbourne ended up running over Hawthorne. In the and court. then it opened up. Yeah, because it opened up. Yeah. But it's going to be similar to those first three quarters. They're going to have guys spoiling on the goal line, um, massive tackle after massive tackle, people putting their head over the ball, and that's the sort of footy you want to watch. It's a bit of old school football, but I love it. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's especially the on game. a big stage. You're going to get on Anzac Day, especially after you got the last post plan. The boys are going to be all geared up. And I think this could be not a high-scoring Anzac Day game. Uh, if you're someone that, you know, fiddles around, I definitely think it's going to be under 180 points. Uh, I think this is going to be yeah, a game of 100% desperation. And don't be surprised if it's going to be two teams that barely kick 10 goals, but it's going to be really close, tight. And I just think Essendon have a little bit more quality than Collingwood. Essendon, I think, have got to be very desperate to beat that record of 8-10 to 10 that Collingwood have had in the Anzac Day game because it weighs on you. And I also think yeah. that that is due to Eddie being Eddie in charge of the football club. He made this game as big as it was, Eddie Maguire. And without him yeah. there, Buckley under pressure, and Essendon going, this is finally a time we can win one, I do think the Bombers will get up. Yeah, Collingwood's just that team that I can't read at the moment. And like, They're just so patchy. Oh. I think that I watched them on Friday night against West Coast, and like they started like a house on fire. Well, the next three quarters, obviously, Dugowie, well, Dugowie and Howe go out in the first yep. quarter, and that makes a big difference to their fine. structure. And then, oh yeah, with the stupid yeah, phones, right. whatever. Um, I don't know how I feel. I do know how I feel about that. I think that's crap. Those guys are, you know, they're out of the game. I think who knows how long they're on their phones for as well. But there's a whole nother discussion. Yep. I think for Sunday. The game's going to be won or lost in the middle. I think if Essendon can get the ball out of the middle, so if Merritt is like on form, if Parrish is going through the middle, if I think Heppel plays probably in defence just because of no. Yeah, he um, does. He's, he's in my fantasy in defence as well. <laughs> yeah, so I think Heppel plays defence because no Ridley and someone has to sort of marshal that half back line. I think if Essendon can just keep control of that ball through the middle, I think they're going to be a long way away from losing that game. So I think it is going to be an interesting watch. I think Grundy absolutely has a field day though. So no Draper means Essendon still are going through like second, third choice Ruckman. And Grundy, as well. Grundy I'm not sure goes he actually played in the Ruck. And for all those people that have Grundy in your fantasy teams, aka me, you captain him. Yeah, and I'm doing the opposite. I'm captaining Zach Merritt this week because Grundy, for as good as he is around the ground, his actual tap work hasn't been great this year. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but his hit-outs to advantage is so low compared to his hit-outs in general. So I think the clearance work is still going to be the important factor in the game. So Grundy's dominance might be there, but Essendon still might be able to walk away with you know, a fair share of clearances, which will help them I do, take I, some pressure away from that young you. defence. I think Merritt reads taps so well and gets the ball so well. Yeah, He's one of my smokies yeah. from the ground line, so he really gets going, so... It'll be interesting to He's see. just getting those sort of clean touches yeah. as well at the moment. So it's he's gonna, got the like guys said, on the inside be, doing a lot of work. It'll be one in the middle of the park. It'll be one by which team's a little bit more desperate, I feel, on the day as well. And look, I think we're in for a cracking Anzac Day game and usually it is a cracker and good on it. I think we're going to be in for an unreal Anzac Day in total because we've actually got three games on Sunday. I know, it's massive. And, and I don't have coaching pool. Two of oh. them... 
two of them involve our sides as well. So the Anzac Day Collingwood Essendon game is actually sandwiched between the Crows and Hawthorne, who are the early game, and then the Port St Kilda, who are the night game. Yeah, you guys are at so home, and we're over in Melbourne. No, no, you're in Tasmania. Oh, so you're better. at Utah's. And one stat I heard as a... I'm going to shout out the AFL Fantasy Podcast because on Monday they released their podcast. Uh, and they actually have one out today, which I haven't listened to yet. But they spoke to Tom Mitchell on Monday. And I didn't know this, but he averages 130 fantasy points at Utah's Stadium. Doesn't matter who the opposition he is. Plays well so he absolutely loves that ground. So I think for this Crows-Hawthorne game... For as much as it pains me, I'm going to lean on probably the Crows. I think their outside class is going to shine through. The factor for me is is whether Tex plays or not. I've heard some rumblings that he's not going to get up for the game. I've heard that he's not. As a Crows fan, be prepared. No Tex. I actually am leaning the other way as a Crows fan. I think we finally got a little bit found out in the weekend against Freer in the final quarter. I think the young boys have been really good. If you're a Crows fan and said, oh yeah, you predicted that we're going to be 3 one leading into Freer, um, he would have been dreaming. Uh, I really thought it was going to yeah. be a year where he might have only beaten North Melbourne twice. Um, these young kids have come in and done so amazingly well, and we've thrown them in a deep end. We got found out against Ferrer. We got overrun in the end, and I think the whole of the previous game. I think their finally, class, their class, yeah, it was a the bit of both. I think our kids finally, the, the intensity of AFL finally got to him. Um, in the final yeah. quarter and then Fire started getting on the ball. Mundy started doing things for Frio and next minute was, was game over. I think that backing up after a game like that, backing up after what's been an amazing start by the Crows, I do think we don't particularly play well in Tassie, if memory serves me correct, off the top of my head. Uh, yeah, I haven't got the stats in front uh, of me. I think we've lost a few big games over there. I thought as in drive big points. And knowing that Mitchell... Margins. Yeah, I think knowing that Mitchell is uh, amazing over there, I wouldn't be surprised to see us lose. I don't think it'll be a blowout by any stretch of the imagination. I think it'll be a pretty close game of football. Um, but I just don't yeah. think... If Tex doesn't play, I don't think we win. I think if Tex plays and is yeah. fit and bags five plus, then we win. Yeah, that's where I sort of see it as well. Um, Tex is that big factor in this game because we've seen if he's not firing, goals have been hard to come oh, by. Yeah. So, you know, McAdam's normally good for... The odd goal, Jimmy Rowe sort of pops up for one. Yeah, you throw him in. It might mean that Fogarty has to play. Yeah, Darcy, though, yeah, is might okay mean... going, kicking some goals too. But nothing like yeah, Tex. But nothing like a Tex Walker. So if you're Doesn't Tex, have the same influence on the game. If the Crows need to get up, it's going to be Tex. If it's not, then... And for us to get up and Tex doesn't play, it's got to be everybody chip in. And when I mean everybody chip in, I mean... Yeah, everybody. everybody literally every whole yeah. team... Yeah, it's going to be a 22-man, potentially 23-man yeah, exactly. effort, I think, at that point. Um, the other factor there, I think, it, it's all going to come down to the way that Adelaide moved the ball inside 50, I think. So if the Crows are going to try and just hit long balls in, which they've done at times this year, I've watched a lot of the Crows just to try and get a bit of a picture around where they are and where they're going. If they start sending in high balls... CJ is going to have a field oh, yeah. day. He's going to take 15 intercept marks and go nuts. So if the Crows can get to the outside from the contest, either from the center square or around the ground, then at least the delivery inside should be going away from CJ, which might give him an opportunity to really hit 
Hawthorne's defence where it hurts because I don't particularly think their defence as a whole is that I good. I think it all depends. But they're good at intercepting and rebounding. I think it all depends if Tex plays or not. If Tex plays, we'll go long, we'll go direct, and then it'll be a pretty big contest between CJ and the forward men. Um, but yeah. if we can do what you said, go outside and just get balls in that are coming in from a wider area and get it away from CJ, we're half a chance to win that game of football. Uh, more than half a chance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you just want to avoid that long, long bomb that sits high. That you know, you just don't want that coming through. You what want about you, boys? Pull hit up targets. Yeah, we'll move on to Port. So, I for for a team that is what are we four and one, it still hasn't been convincing, which I kind of like. I'm not going to lie. So the fact that we've been a bit scrappy and the fact that it hasn't been the cut polished finals performances, I I'm actually happy with that. So because we've got we've got quite a lot of injuries now as well, we're not running anywhere near full strength, but everyone's coming in and doing a role. So obviously the game against Carlton I watched, and it was a bit of an arm wrestle in the first half. No one really gave a lot. I felt like we were pretty dominant, but didn't really convert and get away. Every time we sort of got three goals ahead, Carlton found a way to get, get a cheap one out the back or you know just managed to just will their way back into the game. I think... St. Kilda is that team for me that they're so up and down that it's hard to predict. So I've got my stats here for... Actually, I've got to talk to you first about the Corks before we move on. So Hawthorne have won two of the last three games against the Crows and the Crows did beat them last yes. year as their first win of 2020. So, And every game with the Hawthorne Adelaide, I believe, was by a six-goal margin. So... Hawthorne's two wins had been by over six goals and your win last year was by roughly the same margin. Ours is the same as Hawthorne, so we've won two of the last three against St. Kilda and we got absolutely embarrassed by St. Kilda last, last year. year at that home. Which I was I was at that game and that was our first game with fans after COVID. So that was quite disappointing, I remember, last year. But for me, this this game is definitely one in the middle of the park, and it depends if Rowan Marshall's playing or if Paul Hunter's playing or if Paddy's playing. Because Paddy, I'm hearing he's probably not quite ready, but he's almost ready. And Paddy was the difference last year. Paddy Ryder yep. against us, he gave Laddams an absolute bath last year. So Lysette didn't play, I remember from memory, and it was Laddams' second game, I reckon. And Laddams got absolutely creamed by Paddy Ryder. And we just couldn't get the ball out the middle. So St. Kilda's midfield is still very, very strong. I, I still, still think, think so too. Between Greg Crouch, 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 between Seb fantasy. Ross. Yeah, so they got Ross. they got Hill out on the outside. You know, they're a really, really good side. So I think if St. Kilda don't turn up, we roll them and we smoke them. Because end of the day, even though we've got no Dersman, no Butters... Um, Your Houston's still a big question for me. If Houston's out, I think we go a bit more conservative. We probably bring in Jared Lena to come play in defense, and we just sort of lock the game down, and it won't be as free-flowing, which we can play that way. I think if this game is a bit grungy and a bit gritty, I don't think St. Kilda have the players to match it for a full game. I think St. Kilda won an open game. Uh, just with I the way they spread yeah, the ball exactly and the way, the way they way run. They yeah, so, and I mean, we can play either way. So, for me, I'm confident that we'll get the win. And if we're moving 5-1 and one after six weeks, 
with that only loss being in Perth to West Coast, I think we're in a really good spot. I think you are too. Uh, moving forward, I think so, you're really serious contenders this year, Paul. And that, as a Crows man, does yeah does hurt me a little bit to say, but it's good to see as well. Yeah. So for me, obviously, we've got some question marks over Lockie Jones as well, which is a bit concerning. He did get through the game last week, but had a real issue with his ankle. So I haven't actually seen Hinkley's press conference. I think it's tomorrow. Might have been today. It might be tomorrow. I'm not sure. So I do need to have a bit of a listen and see who's in, who's around the mark. But so far for me, what's been impressive is to see the way that Mitch Georgiades has started the year. And he was rewarded with the Rising Star nomination last week. He was absolutely fantastic. Just gave Dixon that bit of relief that he's needed for so long. We've just not had a second tall target up forward for so long. And we've relied so heavily on Dixon making a contest all the time. So having Mitch flying at the ball, having Todd Marshall sort of running through there, it's giving us a good balance at the moment. And I haven't been the biggest fan of Todd Marshall, but I thought his game at the weekend was really, really good. He just needs to reward himself with a few more goals and a few more marks. And I think he's going to turn into a bit of a Justin Westhoff can kind of go either way, play on the wing, and go from It's just there. good so for I think, you to have a player like that, though. It just speaks volumes of yeah. your roster, Paul. Uh, it, it really yeah, is a just, roster that could go on and really, really go close again this year. Yeah, I mean, we were, you know, a deliberate out-of-bounds and a pretty crap entry away from being in a grand final last year. So I think people have written us off very early this year. I think you can't not respect a side that was top for the whole previous season and then started 4-1. and one. I think they do deserve to be respected. I'm not saying that anything's going to be expected, but I think people are underestimating, mainly because of the surgence of the Bulldogs as well. I think people are sort of going what under the recency bias. Man, they're going under the radar. I, um, I've watched them, them a couple of times. watching them again this week, and like I mentioned, that Hawks game, I watched that one and just seeing what they did to Hawthorne in the final quarter. Um... Oh, I, I, I know they've gone under the radar, but you're looking for a smoky to take yeah. it. I don't think there's any team that finishes an eight that want to play them. I think they could go really close. No, I wouldn't want to. If, if they stay healthy, I think, I think, they think could for go them... really close. If Matt Scorn keeps playing the way he's playing, they could go real close this year. Yeah, I think the key for Melbourne is their depth. I think that's been their issue for quite a long time. Even the year they made the prelim, what was it, 2018, they just rely so heavily on like 27 players yeah if they start losing people then it's going to be tough but look you know last year we had a, a clean run uh, of no injuries and whatever um, sometimes it happens so I think it's a good opportunity for us to sort of transition into our first question which is from Shadow so shout out to Shadow from our Discord yes. so he's actually asked I'm going to talk about his Second part of his question first. So his full question is he wants to hear about our top six for the end of the A-League season, which is approaching. But the second part of his question is who do we think is going to be in the top eight at the end of the season? So do you want me to kick my prediction off, Dame, or you want to go first? No, you do. You want me to go first? I'm going to read that out as it is right now. All right, I've got the ladder up now. So So the current top... The current top eight is the Bulldogs, Melbourne, Sydney, Port in fourth. Yep. That's your top four. Richmond, West Coast, Adelaide, Geelong eight. is your top is your other your second half of that top eight. So then you've got Carlton sitting in ninth with Brisbane in what's going on here? Seven, eight, yeah, nine. Go, oh, they're all um, equal nine. You got Fremantle okay, in ninth, Brisbane in tenth, Carlton eleventh, Giants 
Yeah. And then, yeah, yeah. St. Kilda is there. Okay. Yeah. So, I think at this point, anyone, any of the clubs... So, Essendon, Collingwood, Gold Coast, Hawthorne, North I've Melbourne, for gone. me, they're not making nah. it. They're gone. So, you're looking from St. Kilda, GWS, Fremantle, Brisbane, Carlton. So do I think any of them are going to break in? I think yes. I think a couple of them do. So, sorry. I think there's going to be two changes to the top... Oh, maybe one. This is tough. So, I think you, your locks are the Bulldogs, Melbourne, Port, Richmond, West Coast. They are your six locks. You think Sydney isn't a lot? That's where I'm questioning. So, I want to see what the youngsters up forward can do without Buddy's presence there. I'm not saying Buddy's been amazing. He did kick five and they still managed to lose. Yep. Sydney probably make it. I'm not prepared to put my neck out and say they're a lot because you never know what happens with a young team. I'm going to put them into my top eight. But I think I'm going to be biased. I'm going to put Port top. It's hard for me not to put Port top. I think... Home field advantage that we'll have playing at Adelaide Oval. They're talking about increasing the capacity to full yep. for the showdown, which means if there's no issues resulting from that, yes. we'll have a full crowd Correct. probably for the rest of the year. So I think Port will at least be one or two. I think Richmond follow. I think the Bulldogs then finish third. Yep. And I've got Melbourne rounding out my top I four. I think that's a pretty smart four. My four is very similar. I think... Out of those four, it could finish any four ways. I think, yeah. from what I've seen of the Bulldogs, it would not surprise me to see them go as minor premiers. It also wouldn't surprise me if Melbourne stayed fit and healthy throughout the whole year and nothing happened to them at all, that they could finish top as well. I don't know about Richmond. I think this is Richmond's last window to win a flag. Yeah, I think that window is closing what's been a stellar time and error at the football club. Um, I just don't think they win it this year. I think they finished fourth, personally. They, even if they finish fifth or sixth, they're, they're a team to me that as soon as it's kind of final football, yeah. no one wants to play them because they will all lift and it wouldn't surprise me if they even finished outside the four Richmond went on to win for the final time like the Bulls did in the last dance. That It's Richmond's last dance and they go out there and do it. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's, I think my top four and your top four is very similar. I, if I go to so who are you going? Uh, You've got Bulldogs first. I think, I think I'm going to stick my neck fourth. out. I'm going to go Bulldogs, Port, Melbourne, Richmond as the four. And yeah, so same four, yeah, just different yeah. order. Um, I still think Sydney then, the, the eight, personally. I really do think from St. Kilda through to Adelaide, it, all those teams are fighting for two spots. Yeah. Um, it would not yeah. surprise me if Geelong somehow turned it around and started winning a lot of games and all of a sudden became about one spot. I'm also interested to see what West Coast end up doing. I know their form is going to be so good at home, but if they start yeah. losing players and start dropping form at home, um, I don't think they're particularly great on the road, so they could drop into that battle to maybe only make the eight as well. Yeah, I agree. So I, I in my head... I give us an eight, Paul, is... and then I'll give you an eight and we move on. Yeah, so I'm going... So the top four recap, I think I said Port, yep. Richmond, Bulldogs, Melbourne as a top four. Same four for me, just different order. I think I'm going, just looking at it, I think I'm going West yep. Coast, five... Brisbane, because they've still got two wins and they're not playing great. I think I'm going Brisbane six. I'm going... I don't know. This is where it's tough. I think I'm going Geelong seven and St. Kilda eight. I think St. Kilda slide in. You think so, Hanks? Yeah, in do you? I think they play well enough against the teams around them. 
if that makes sense. I know they've dropped a stupid game against Carlton. Yep. But I think they're a team that will win the games that they need to win, plus the experience they had last year of winning a final. I think they could be around the mark. Nah, Frio's not there just yet. They're looking good for me, but I still think they're a year away with the young Ah. guys. So we, my top four was obviously the Bulldogs winning it from four at Melbourne, and then I said that Richmond do probably just sneak in. Um, yeah, I reckon it's hard for me to say this, but I think that if that's the case, you're looking at Sydney, and Sydney they need to check. Oh, I didn't put Sydney in, yeah, did I? Didn't, but I uh, know. I know. Take St Kilda yeah, out, and I think Sydney I, get there ahead I, of St Kilda. I, I think Sydney. I, I'm gonna stick my neck out on a line. Geelong are going to come good. Geelong are going to finish fifth. Yeah. Geelong are going to go on a run. And that will see enough of them to finish Jeez. fifth. I think Sydney will drop a few games, but Sydney will win a few games and finish sixth. I then think yeah. Brisbane will finish seventh because they're still a very good side. Um, yeah. And wouldn't surprise me if Brisbane rattled a few feathers in the finals, by the way, if they got going and Danaher got going. And then it's all yeah. about, for me, it's three or four teams fighting for eighth spot. West Coast, if they don't have a good home record, if they do, they make the A easy. If they don't have a good yeah. home record, and I think West Coast is starting to get found out a little bit, personally. Um, yeah. I then think you'd probably saying, well, then anyone else from 13 can make it. I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to say Adelaide to make the finals in eighth on percentage. Oh, that's be, be cool. cool. I think that's be cool. Tex, we'll review it. I think Tech starts kicking goals throughout the whole year, and because of our home form, Adelaide Oval, and it's already proven that Adelaide Oval, because it's going to go one hundred percent capacity before everybody else. I think there's games at home that both the Power and Adelaide will win, based just because of the home fan base, and I think they'll sneak in. And yeah. All right. So what I'm going to ask is for some of the boys that are in the Discord or girls, if we've got girls in the Discord, <laughs> can someone pin our ladder predictions yes. in the PDP? Uh, section of the Discord, and what Dame and I might do is we might review it at the end of the buy rounds, which is around fourteen, yep. so we're a few weeks away. We might do a bit of a review of where we think the finals are going to go. So let's answer Shadow's second part of his question, yep. then we'll move on to JS's question. Let's. I've got the A League ladder open, so, so Dame, you get it open I now. Do. I'll talk. I've got it yeah, open man. already. So we've got at the moment we've got Melbourne City from Central Coast. Adelaide. And then we've got Adelaide United, yep. Sydney FC, Macarthur, and the Wanderers, and this is tight. I've actually. I want to do an episode on the A-League yes, because so I've actually been reinvigorated this so year by the A-League, but I won't talk about it now. I'm going to go. I'm going to jump straight in. And I think there's only one team that can break into the finals here. Yes, same here. And my team that I think can break in is Western United. So I. I think Brisbane are going to fall away. Um, for no reason, then, I just think Western United have a bit more about them. They've been in this situation before. They managed to jump in last year at the yeah, death. Did ahead of Adelaide United. I think... Who misses out then? Western th- Sydney, MacArthur, Sydney, Adelaide? I think Western I Sydney miss out. I think they've been pretty poor. I'm looking at their form here. I think they've been pretty poor. So from their, last, from their last five games, they've got two losses and three draws as well. So their form right now is not Look, good. Boy, uh, Paul, um, before we continue, we're Adelaide boys, aren't we? Yes. We're, we're, yeah. Melbourne victory bottom. Everyone clap. <laughs> Melbourne victory on bottom we run. run what a year it's been we don't even need to win anything victory on bottom they've sacked the coach it's unreal good, good times of importing football no ESL it's unreal <laughs> and Melbourne victory down the yeah, bottom yeah mate it's, it's, it's great different story oh. so I think how about let's, who's your who's your prediction for minor premier I think personally I actually think 
You can't write off Brisbane just yet. You got to look. You know, Western Sydney on eight on twenty five points played eighteen. Brisbane and Western United played fifteen. Ooh. Right. Okay. And yeah, you got Adelaide call. and Sydney have played seventeen. So there's two games there. I just think the quality of Adelaide and Sydney will shine through. I actually think minor premiers yeah. this year is between Melbourne City and Sydney. I think Sydney were very unlucky against Adelaide. I thought Adelaide only played well for fifteen minutes and scored two late ones. Um, yeah. I think if your dark horse for minor premier without being any bias is Adelaide, just because look, take off my supporters hat and put my coach's hat on. How do you deal with the speed of Adelaide United? It's, it's crazy. crazy speed. And that's why and I want to do got, an episode uh, on the A League because I want to talk about you've United. You've got uh, you know, a, a very good hold up playing Tommy Urich up top, and then you've got the speed of the Toure boys. And the boys running off is Mengi, crazy. Dunkley, Yangi, uh, Pacific, you know, got, yeah, Good, good when he's not overly slow and can deliver a ball. I just feel like Adelaide Crowell was the most problems. Adelaide yeah. was the most problems. Defensively, we're not great, but, though. Yeah. But. Exactly. So, I think, personally, I actually think Western Sydney jump in. It wouldn't surprise me MacArthur in their first year fighting for finals miss out on Brisbane because of the pedigree of Brisbane slot into. So, I'm going to actually say that Western, Western, miss out. Western United... And Brisbane get in and Carver and Western Sydney oh, okay. drop out. Um, but the top okay, four yeah. stay as they are. I do think... I agree. I do think it'll be Melbourne City from Sydney FC and then Adelaide and Central Coast will finish third or fourth in any order. I just think Central Coast, yeah. for what a year they've had, a lot of people just surprised by the style of football they came out and played after finishing bottom last year. I think they've been found out a little yeah. bit. And I just think that them not being in this situation for a very long time and now they're there. When push comes to sub, the nerves will kick in. They'll drop off. And I also think that as much as I love the Central Coast narrative and I love the players they have, I also don't think they're going to feature much in the finals. And if you're anyone in the six and you get Central Coast, you lick your lips. Yeah, I agree. Who do you think's winning it? I'm not going to be biased here, but I think that it would not surprise me if it's an Adelaide-Sydney, Adelaide-Melbourne City, Sydney-Melbourne City final. And if that's the case, yeah. just because cup football can be won and lost in 90 minutes and can be won and lost in 120 minutes, I think if Adelaide made a final without being biased on the day, they can blow any side away with the speed. And if that happens, there it is. If Sydney make the final, I think they're hard to beat just because of the pedigree as well. I'm going to stick my neck out and say the Adelaide United non-Sydney FC final, Adelaide win. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to give two scenarios for my prediction. So I'm of the same opinion. If Adelaide can avoid Sydney before the grand final... And we get Sydney in the grand final, we can win yep. it. I think if we meet Sydney before the grand final, I think we fall short. So, it for me, yeah. my two winners are going to be Melbourne City or Adelaide United. I don't think Sydney win it. I think Sydney could knock us out, but then play Melbourne City and lose I to think them. So that's sort of my thought Sydney process because they know how to win the competition a little bit more. Than just oh, I don't think yeah, yeah it's a bit of a different yeah, team it is, though it is. I'm not convinced it, I'm not either. I'm not convinced uh, Sydney FC being 2 new up will never throw a lead away in previous years ever like they, they've yeah. been hands out to a young they, side hands out hey 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 I know you want to be part of the podcast but okay but Milky's now. very upset that we've just kind of said that Sydney's going to be in so Sydney's not and there we are yeah right. you heard it first from Milky Zuki. is coming in with the prediction that Sydney aren't winning it she's got very eight she's still going she doesn't want me to talk about it all right, we've got one more question to go Adelaide through, Dame. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. She's Adelaide winner. There we go. Uh, go. All right, one more question we got from JS. So JS's first question was what punishment we think the six clubs in England should get. We've kind of covered that one already. But his other question is, 
I think we're just going to go starting 11, I think, for this question, Damo, because yep. we could be here all night again. Go, Paul. Who's your starting Who's your starting 11 for England in the Euros if it goes ahead the way we think it will? He's actually keeper. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, tough. Because I, I was talking to one of the kids I coach about it. I think Pickford starts, but he's not the keeper that sees out the whole competition. I think Pickford starts, but then it wouldn't surprise me. Jeez. Oh, who have you got competing with him? Henderson, um, and uh, I'm forgetting someone else here, big name. Um, 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 Nick yeah, Pope? One. I, I, I personally would love to see just Nick Pope play the whole time. I just don't think... How can you drop Pickford after what he's done in the World Cup and that? But he's not had a really good time of it, has Because he? his season hasn't been so great. You do, so would you play Nick for Pope? Me, I think Nick Pope's the best out of the three. I'm playing Nick Pope 100% because... Henderson's been in and out of the Man United side anyway. He hasn't had a consistent season. No, you season. can't pick him. Henderson just goes for experience. If the Euros happened when they were meant to, Henderson's your keeper. If this happens last year, and I'm over in Italy watching Italy play Turkey, yeah. as I was meant to, you Henderson's your keeper yep. on the basis of last season. But the fact that he's been on and off the bench this year for United, he can't start for me. Whether he does enough in training, and maybe he pushes for that starting spot, I think... You start with Nick Pope. I, I think, think so he's too. Been great Who's your back Burnley. four? My back four. I'm going with the back three. Yep. Um, so I'm all, actually, I'll play as a I'll play as a five. Yeah, so five wing backs. Because you got to pick. You got to pick. Right so I think the biggest lock Jake. is Ben Chilwell yep. to start, but Luke Shaw to be knocking on the yep. door. I'm with you there, hundred percent. I think Harry Maguire's in yep, the middle so of the back five with Stones and I Walker think, either I side. Think that's a lock. And then I think Southgate picks one Bissaka on the right. I don't. I think he picks Trent. I think Trent's form's yeah, not been great, that, but I think you can trust Trent in a bigger game than one Bissaka just because Trent's played in a lot more bigger games. I personally think Southgate has tried one Bissaka, and from what you've seen, I think Trent gives you more going forward. Um, and they're very similar defensively. That's the question there. It depends what... That statement yeah, there. It depends what Southgate wants what, to do. What does he want? I think Southgate is going yeah. to want in the group stage to go and score, so I think Trent starts. Yeah, so that's going to be one where we're going to have to wait and see. Yep. You've also got... Has Kieran Trippier, is he still banned? Or is he, what's going I don't on know. Him? I wouldn't play him anyway. They've still got Reese James as I well. Think, I, do, like, I do think it's just out of those two, though. Yeah, I think all three get picked. Yeah. But it's I think just going to be out of, yeah. one. But it's depending on the opponent, I think. I think if you want more going forward, you're playing Trent. If you want to let Chilwell get further forward and Wan-Bissaka drops into a four... Then maybe that exactly happens. Correct. So midfield. I think the way that the shape's going to look is it's going to be a five, obviously three with the ball, yep. and then it's going to be a, a six with two yes. eights. As I think that's what you can sort of look like when playing as well. Are we going to be unanimous in who's going to be the defensive midfielder? You know it as well as I know it. Jordan? Yep, it has to be. All right. So Henderson sits at the base. I don't think there's another does player he, does, that does can play that role. Captain the side. Yeah, yep. probably. I'd like him to. Oh no, he doesn't actually. Harry Kane does. Yeah, there you go. Harry Kane. He's going the up captain. Top. Yeah, fair. Yeah, Harry Kane's going up top, so injured. we'll get to that later. But yeah, we'll, we'll see. I think he goes in as your captain. He Henderson's his yeah. vice. Anyway, so Henderson's locked in yep. at the six. Who are you two in front? Uh good question. So James Wood. Okay, I, James I, I know who I want. I know who I want. Ward Prowse, I don't have him in mind. I think I'm just wondering. But I'm just it wouldn't surprise me. So I think the two way there's two ways Southgate could do this. I think Grealish deserves to be in there, but I don't think he picks him. 
I think he goes with Mason Mount and then potentially Phil Foden. I just feel like Foden gets more recognition from Southgate than he does from yep. Pep Guardiola. I think Phil Foden should go in there. And I think with Mason Mount there, there's not as much pressure. Yeah, I think... Does Mason Mount get in then? Yeah, I think he plays think if, potentially think, as an A. It might be Declan Rice. Could be as well. I think England it. have a very good set of midfielders. Um, I just... I know Southgate loves James Wood-Prowse, personally. He yeah, seems, wouldn't surprise me, especially for set-pieces as well. Yeah, that's the big thing. I think if you look at the English side, there's not much set-piece taking ability apart from if you play Trent. I think that's yet again, if James Wood-Prowse would play if Trent doesn't, I think. In, if Wampasaka doesn't play and Trent does, then you're probably picking, what, Phil Foden and... Phil Foden's other lock, isn't it, Paul? Uh, who's your lock? Who's more I of a lock? I think he's almost there. Your, who, 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 Mount. Yeah, Mount's your lock. It wouldn't surprise me if yep. the three is going to be Hendo, Mount, and um, Phil Foden. It wouldn't also surprise I me. I think he should be Prowse. Grealish, though. I think Jake Grealish should, should be Grealish. But I think he will. And I think if you're going to play, uh, you're playing, what, a five wing back system with wingers? Uh, nah, so it'll be two central strikers nah, up front then together. You can't play Grealish. I was about to say, if you're playing wingers, you could probably put Grealish out one. On the yeah. left, yeah. I think, so. We've got five through the middle. We've got uh, so five at the back, three through the middle. So we've got two up front. Yeah. So my two up front are Rashford and Kane. I think they pick themselves. Yeah. No, I don't think that yeah. can be changed. I think we're very similar. Paul. I think I do think it's very dependent yeah. who gets picked at right back, who plays in the centre of the middle of the park. Yeah, they're your two spots. So one centre mid spot and right That's back. It. So hopefully, JS, we've answered your question. Let us know what your starting eleven might be mm, for the Euros. I think Damo, we're approaching the hour mark. I think that's all we've got time yes. for tonight. So once again, just want to shout out, make sure you get over to both of our YouTube channels to find the links to all our socials. They are posted on our YouTube channels. Damos is on his YouTube and his Correct. Twitch uh, channel. So is your Twitch account on your yeah, YouTube channel though? Yeah, you can find it. Trust me. Yeah. So I think YouTube's going to be the central point for both of us. So Paulie29 with three Ys. Yep. For my account, Damo's Damo with two yep. M's underscore 23 on YouTube. And you can find all the links there. Once again, a big thank you to everyone that's been it's supporting been massive, the podcast. Boys. And we will see you all next week for hopefully another sport-themed podcast. Hopefully not a soccer-themed yes, one. If it is, it might be a bit different. What was that's that, so Dame? Correct. Let's hope it's not the Super League. Yeah, hopefully there's something else other than the Super League. So if you have any recommendations, get them in the Discord, get them in on Twitter, and we can decide from there. But once again, from Damo and myself, thank you very, very much for listening.